You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. Welcome in to the Pirate Football Playback. Another loss for the Pirates as SMU comes in on a Thursday night and they win 31 to 10 over the Pirates. Welcome in to a, we'll see how this show goes. Pirate Football Playback. We would love to have a victory tonight. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from the great town and city of LaGrange. It's Kyle Barber. What's going on, Dave? Uh, yeah, another uh, another week, another loss, um, another lackluster performance by the offense, and uh, now we get ready for the fighting Biff Pogies. Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> hey, Bubba Rosenbaum of China Grove, are you okay, man? Doing well. Um, enjoyed watching some college football yesterday. Yeah, it was it was tough on on Thursday night. I made the trip down and back, and you know left right after school, a little after 3 o'clock, and uh, got back, oh, about 3 a.m., um, but, uh, but yeah, very proud of the defense. The defense, arguably the best we've had yeah. since 2009. Agreed. But um, the offense, unfortunately, thus far, has been also uh, um, more extreme than that in a, in a bad sense, obviously, um, probably the, the worst we've had in the modern era. And let's bring in from the great Commonwealth of Connecticut, and that would be Matt Semenza. What's up, dude? What's up, guys? I uh, I was joking around with you guys earlier on Friday night, and I needed a uh, I needed a therapy couch, like you know, a, a leather bound sofa with a that I could lay down on with a pillow and a therapist and that's a few the stiff show, drinks, bro. A few stiff drinks because that offensive display was putrid. And but to Bubba's point. You know, on the flip side, our secondary outside of one or two plays played as well as we've seen at ECU in many years. Yes. Um, I mean, there were times when we had people, the, the quarterback was literally rolling in the pocket for seven, eight seconds, and we covered up on the back end, which is pretty impressive. And uh, so on one hand, you have a defense that played really well. And like Bubba said, just an offense that can't get out of its own way right now. No doubt. Uh, by the way, I want to remind fans, our great pirate football playback is brought to you by LNK Custom Homes. Want to give a shout out to our good friend, Kevin KK Walker. Bubba, we need to get Kevin on here pretty soon. Uh, we haven't talked to him in a good while. KK is a friend of the show. Appreciate his support of the program of the pirate football playback for the last few years. He's a general contractor and, you know, KK, whenever I win the Powerball, I'm trying really hard. Um, then you can take over my house for however long it needs to for uh, the cosmetic upgrades of good bones, but uh, needs some cosmetic stuff done. Give Kevin a call if you're ready to for all his uh, great work at 336-688-8461. And guys, um, you know, one of the things uh, with we're done with season, the first half of the season, uh, we're through game six now. Uh, before we dissect the, the game, I just want to ask you guys, 
what do you foresee? I'm going to get, uh, I know what it is, but I'm going to, uh, on purpose, I'm going to put this out there for the public. What do you see the second half of the season? We'll start with the, uh, I know you have a crystal ball, Kyle. What do you see in the second half of the season? Uh, hopefully improvement. I, I don't know how much offensive improvement we can have realistically. Um, I, uh, I, realistic prediction. I think we yep. find out a way. I think we find a way to win two more games. Um, I hope so. Scotty uh, Montgomery stuff three, nine. Um, so that that's my prediction, uh, and I'm almost hopeful of that. I'm almost hopeful we go three. And I'm not. Let me rephrase that. I'm hopeful we went out, but I'm <laughs> that's not going to happen. Um, but uh, you know, uh, one and eleven or two and ten is is a very real possibility if we don't turn around on offense. Um, so uh, yeah, at this point, I, I'm going to say three and nine. We we uh, we make some slight improvements on offense, just enough to with our defense playing well to get us two wins and major staff. And um, major staff overhaul at the end of the season on the offensive side of the ball, and we better be hitting that portal hard, 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 hard. Bubba, what do you think? I agree with Kyle. I mean, anywhere. Uh, are there other games that you know, should we show some offensive improvement that we can that we can win? Uh, definitely, there are. But you know, based on what I've seen so far, and you know, unless we you know, significantly improve our execution, but then also, you know, change the way we're going about things mm-hmm. it, um, as far as how we're utilizing Mason, or, you know, maybe implementing some more sprint out passing and things of that nature to take advantage of, of his uh, skill set, you know, at least what we perceive to be his skill set and um, the things that he does well, then uh, it wouldn't shock me if, if we didn't win another game and, I know we'll dive into the, the Charlotte matchup a little bit later on, um, and then we'll, of course, have our more in-depth look at the Pirates and 49ers on Tuesday night. But I was a little surprised, honestly, when that line came out and it was Pirates minus nine. It, it quickly moved to, to Pirates uh, minus seven and a half. And, and, you know, it's, and obviously the reason why is just our offensive struggles. We've not yeah. scored 17 points against an FBS opponent. And uh, Charlotte – has a pretty good defense, um, very respectable on that side of the ball, and uh, just I, I would I would have thought more like three to five, three, four or five, yeah, yeah. I, I'll be happy to win it by one if if we cover that original spread. I'll be I'll I'll be uh, I'll be pickled I'll, I'll be shickled pick up. Oh, damn it, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be shickled pickless. That's what I'm hey. trying to say. Matt, he he was actually uh, in the pickle juice, I think. Matt, what do you think about uh, the second half of the season and the game on um, on Saturday? You, I know that uh, your favorite team is Charlotte, so you got to be you got to be torn this week with your little favorite torn, team. Little yeah. torn, little you torn. Your you know, favorite I, coach too. Yeah, well, I agree with everything the guy said so far, and I think the good news for East Carolina when you look at the second half of the season, the schedule does lighten up a little bit. Yep. And when you look at the opponents, but does it really? Yeah, it does. Well, so 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 when you look at the opponents, there's nobody that I, I would say scares me. But Tulane don't scare here's you. The, here's the well, Tulane. I'll give you Tulane. UTSA with Frank the, Harris won't scare you. UTSA doesn't really scare me, honestly. Um, with Frank Harris? Nah, they're a better team, obviously, with them, but they don't scare me. They're not like last year. You know, 
Okay. There's a but though. There's a, a a but coming, and the but is, so you know, as I say, I'm not really scared of the schedule, but here's the issue: when you're this inept offensively, it doesn't matter who you play. You know, when you're this inept and you can't score, every game's going to be a struggle. Mm-hmm. So even though this, the schedule does lighten up, fellas, we're gonna every game is going to be a struggle uh, until we can figure out some ways to score and. One of the things we wanted to do tonight is because, you know, you read all the message boards, you hear the complaints, and it's always like the offense sucks, you know, the play calling sucks, and and a lot of that is true. One of the things we wanted to talk about tonight is to, you know, it's easy to say we should do this, we should do that, but tonight we're going to talk about examples, things that we see that we really feel like could help this offense. and. You know, when you look at Mason Garcia, we'll get into that later. But one good thing that came out of that game the other night, when you really go back and watch it, is that you can see two or three things that he does well in areas that he's comfortable in. And, and you know, like when you look at his comfort level, it's very limited right now. Like there's only a few right. things he's comfortable with. But I think we were able to identify two or three areas where he does look more comfortable and maybe, maybe he can thrive in the second half of the season. But those are those are big ifs. Matt, would you would you would you start him the second half of the season? Do you think Flynn has kind of reached the ceiling? I do, Kyle. I mean, I I've been, you know, I, I've been calling for Flynn, um, but I think it's 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 almost like forget even week to week. It's almost quarter to quarter with these guys. Yeah, but yeah. I do feel like now. I'm kind of at the stage after this game where I feel like I feel like we've seen enough out of Flynn. I feel like Mason. Um, I think we need to roll with him now. I really do. And and you know, call me crazy. I'm not hesitating to burn G and Kyle. I know you agree with this. And Jason yeah. Nichols suggested that that we start Garcia and make um, Raheem Jeter the backup going forward. Yeah, I agree with that one thousand. That was totally one of my things. That. Because I was going to tell you guys, if they don't get any better, I would put Jeter definitely in the last three games that he's already played one. So you the the games I, 10, I, 11, and twelve, you can definitely. I wouldn't worry about it. I would. I, if he can, if, if if he gives us the best chance to win now, go and play him now. I, you can't in, in the day and age of the transfer portal. If you're worrying about red shirts, you're an idiot, particularly at the quarterback position. Well, yep. I think I think Jeter is uh, has a lot of talent. He was a lot taller than what I expected. A lot more athletic. I heard he was athletic, but you know, on the field. But uh, <laughs> if uh, you know, I, I I have faith in this team. I'm going to wait until the second half of the of the season. I put down four, eight, or five and seven. I look at the schedule, and I think uh, I think if I would love to be, uh, or maybe I wouldn't. Uh, fly on the wall when it comes to the coaches meetings but um, they've got a offensively um, they can open it up and I mean guys what do we have to lose there seems I will tell you where I agree with you guys is there's no urgency with this staff it's like they say that they're upset but we're one in five and so to me I would be going for broke I've talked about it how many weeks you guys are tired of hearing me talk about trick plays I'm not talking about throw everything gadget plays some people call them but there's always, like Kyle says, and we agree 1,000% there, it's all about timing. And, you know, Matt, when you had Coach Logan, he was the king of trick plays and going for um, onside kicks and all kinds of stuff when you least expect it. Um, but anyway, I, uh, for me personally, 
it, I don't understand why you don't go for broke. And uh, especially when you're one in five, it just seems like they say on one hand that, you know, it, and, and another thing too, that I've heard from the fan base, which I agree 1000%. And I want to get you guys take on it. Um, being close to the program is Mike Houston has never taken responsibility from being one in five. Not that I've heard. And so if he, if I, if he has, uh, forgive me, but I have never heard him as head coach and you hear uh, any other coach, including um, when you hear Cliff Godwin, any of them say, I didn't have the team prepared enough. It's my fault. Take accountability. Be responsible. You're the CEO. You're making over $2 million a year. Um, and that's my frustration uh, as far as Houston. Um, stop uh, he, Houston, Houston is very arrogant. He's very arrogant. And, and arrogance is fine when you can back it up. But when you ain't back it up, we, when you're not backing it up, you, you, you better you better lose some of that cockiness because it comes across as abrasive to the fan base. And, you know, um, I, that I think is what Houston and, – and, 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 you know, some of that's confidence. Some of that, you know, confidence is – arrogance is confidence. But when you're backing it up, people call it confidence. It's called it's Coach arrogance. Prime. But, but <laughs> it, Coach so, Prime. So, I, you know, a lot of people – like, a lot of people will point to Biff Pogey we're playing Charlotte next. And he was all after the, after the game um, against Navy taking, I, I, I don't know what's going on. I got to get this fixed. This is all on me. Well, you know, that's fine and dandy. But when you're preseason pounding on the mother truck and podium at media days saying, there ain't no more questions for us. I know why you picked us last. Well, we'll show you. And when you're talking trash to Appalachian state coaches in the off season on Twitter about all the stuff you're going to do, well, he's suddenly become a mighty humble bumble. So I, I don't buy into this old – I don't know if you guys have seen the Pirate fans going, oh, you know, I never thought I'd like Beth Pogey. What? Well, he, look, when you talk a bunch of trash before the season and now you, you get shut out by Navy, yeah, you, 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 he's been humbled. He has been humbled. <laughs> hey, so, hey, Matt. So I'm not so, – so, Dave, I don't know if that's why you brought that up about Houston not taking responsibility because everybody is so impressed with Biff Pogey taking responsibility no, for being one in five Charlotte. Well, look, if we lose to a man who shows his armpits on national television <laughs> on a regular basis, I'm done. I'm done. I, I am D-O-N-E, done, done, done with my Q. Hey, so hey, I'm, no. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm telling you now, and we'll get back to SMU, but I'm just going ahead right now, and I hope he hears this, and I don't give a damn if he never wants to come on the show again. You better not lose to Charlotte, Mike Houston. I'm just telling you now. I will start a camp. I've done it before. I'll do it again. Don't make me get out my mouth. Just, 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 just don't lose to Charlotte. Now, now we'll move on. Hey, Matt. Uh, Biff Pochi reminds me. I've said this on the show before. He, if he's not the college version of of when Rex Ryan was head coach, like of the Jets, we're going to the Super Bowl. And what, well, buddy? You better back it up. If, especially, I know that some New York media it's tough, but man. Biff is just, uh, I tell you, that Kyle, you were right. He, I think he's just a moron. He's an idiot. No, I don't want to go that far. I don't go that far. Well, we I do play him this week. We do, we well, do play him this week. But but what I'm saying is he, he did what you're talking about, about taking responsibility. He was full on. It's all my fault. And people were impressed by it. Well, I'm not because I remember what he said before the season. And when he was beating the, when he was beating the podium and, and acting like a <laughs> fool at media days. Yeah, well – you know, guys, uh, give me give me a minute or two on this one because I, okay. I was very pissed about the situation with Mike Houston the other night, and uh, I've been very vocal about it. Nothing personal against Mike Houston. I don't know him personally, but 
very, very um, annoyed the other night because, and I'll just address the elephant in the room. Six minutes left in that game. You're down mm. 24 to 10. All right. You're down 24 to 10. Mm. You have the ball right around. I want to say it was the 38 yard line. Fourth and two. The fourth and two. All right. You have got, you cannot punt the ball in that situation. You can't do I it. I agree. That was embarrassing. It was, it, honestly, it was gutless. It really he waved was the white gutless. flag. He That's waved the white flag. You can, I've never seen a coach do that before. Quite I honestly, have, just out of I'll tell you right now, guys, if I'm a player on that team, especially if I'm on the defensive side and I just fought my ass off all night and my coach does that, waves the white flag with six minutes left, I'm pissed off. I am really pissed off. And I'll tell you, I, that was one of the worst decisions I've seen in a long time. And it was almost like, like, what are you trying to do there, coach? Are you trying to make the score appear closer? On Man, the I think I can tell you what he'll t- I think I can tell you what he would tell you. Um, pin them back. Pin them. We're playing good defense. Maybe we force a turnover. We may be better off to have our defense on the field than having our offense on the field. The defense may give us a better chance to score. That's probably what he'll tell you. And that's probably what he was thinking. But it comes across as we're waving the white flag, and the defense responded as such. They gave up at that point. Yep. That's right. That's right. And, and, you they, know, and they've been on the field too much this year. Too much, way too much, Dave. And they wear down in the fourth quarter as a result. Yep. Um, and that's not just physically, that's mentally because they get so defeated when you're holding the team down for three quarters and your offense can't give you any production, you get defeated. But here's the thing I would say to that, and I do agree, Kyle, that that is probably what you would get from the coaches on that question. And it really needs to be addressed this week in press conferences. I want to hear that question asked with follow-up questions. But what I would say to that is, if that was the answer back, I would say, Coach, how many p- possessions did you have tonight offensively and how many touchdowns did you score? You need every possession you can get to right. try to score with this offense. You can't just give it away, especially in that situation down 14, you know, fourth fourth and two. That's a makeable situation. Especially you when what do you have to lose? You're going to lose anyway. You're going to lose hell, anyway. What, what, Exactly. And, and, and wouldn't that have been – you talk about you, – you, you want to really have some balls. <laughs> fourth and two in that situation, and we hadn't done it all. You take a shot downfield, or somebody would have probably been wide open. Because they're expecting, yeah, to, for the run. We've seen that before. You know, we've seen we've seen play callers do that before in big spots. And, um, hey, I would have just been happy. And, and, listen, the way the offense was playing, I'm not saying there's, you know – a great chance we even get that first down, but I'm going down swinging. Go ahead, Bubba. Yeah, you're talking about taking a shot down the field. I And this wasn't even necessarily so much a shot down the field, but I, I remember back, I guess, pushing 30 years ago now in the early 90s when John Makovic, who um, coached against the Pirates when he was at Illinois, he had moved on to the University of Texas, and Texas was playing Nebraska in the um, – The Alamo Bowl, right, it, Bubba? It, well, it was a, I believe it was a conference championship game, but the um, ball game was on the line, and I want to say Texas may have had the lead at the time, but uh, you, know, you know, it was a situation where they could really stick a fork in Nebraska, and uh, and then they play action, play action pass, and their quarterback raised up and you know, hit the 
hit the tight end, you know, 10 or 15 yards on the little pop pass uh, when Nebraska was sold out to stop the run on fourth and one or whatever it was. And uh, it went to the house, I believe. So something like that, uh, you know, fake it well, to so Rajay and Marlon and, and, uh, and find Shane Calhoun. It's so funny you thought of that, Bubba. I got to give you credit, too, because when Kyle mentioned take a deep shot there, that was the first play I thought. That play call you're describing, that was one of the best play calls I've ever seen. Um, so so good good recall on that one. I, I was thinking of the same exact thing. Um, that that and I didn't mean to cut you off. You, you go back in, but I got to give you credit on that one because that was a long time ago, and uh, I'm pretty impressed you remember that one. Uh, it doesn't impress me anymore. Bubba's like he's he's like he's like the rain man of college football memories. <laughs> oh well, yeah, guys. So with uh, do you want to take some calls now? Oh, um, we will. And uh, let's address this YouTube comment first, um, because Chuck, this is a something I've discussed with numerous pirate fans since Thursday night. And uh, that is Javius Bond, unfortunately, went down um, on kickoff coverage there on the initial play of the game. And this has nothing to do with Javius' ability to to perform well in that role because he's on that for a reason. But at the same time, we asked ourselves, you know, from the outside looking in, why is he on that? Because, you know, having a very good defense and, you know, from everything we see, a very good tackling team, you know, we have such limited playmaking ability on offense. I would think that doing everything we can, sure, put him on kickoff return, but don't don't have him run down the field and make, try to make a tackle on kickoff coverage uh, when he's perhaps your best playmaker, or at least right there, you know, with Chase Sowell and Josiah Hatfield. You know, you're trying to get the ball to Javius Bond in a variety of ways. Um, and, and now – yeah, do we know any more about his injury? Probably not going to be very bad. Um, and fingers crossed that that's the case. Then uh, we still, even if it's not very bad, we could potentially be without him on uh, Saturday against Charlotte. So did you? I'm sorry, Bubba. I, me and Dave were stepping on you when you were saying that. Did you say you heard it's not very bad? Coach Houston said in the post game that he thinks that it's not very bad, but I have not okay. heard a heard an update. I'll see what I can find out. Okay, well, maybe he'll address it in the press conference Tuesday. Who knows? I, you know, he's funny about addressing injuries. Yeah, well, we've got to look at every single, like we said, we talked about before. I remember when my baseball coach, the late great Mike Perel, said, "If I can lose with seniors, I can lose with sophomores. Whatever there's got, there's other talent on the team." And um, I, that's my frustration is hearing people say talent. It's not talent; it's inexperience and player development. And coaching philosophy, and that goes back to what I said with Coach Houston because people um, in the Ward Sports Medicine building listen to our show. So I'm not anti-Houston. What I'm saying is stop being stubborn. Player development, it comes down to talent. If you have to be developed, then you don't have the talent yet. Uh, You have to, but you got to be able to play at the level. I mean, you you can have talent all day long. If you don't develop them, then that's what you have. We don't have a name one five-star that we have on the team. I agree with you 100%. We're we're saying the same thing, but that's – that's why when you know you're graduating so many guys, you got to work the portal better. It's just it's and that's, just where we are. It's just where we are in this day and age. And Matt, that was another thing. Two things that we have to do is you look at Dabo Sweeney at uh, Clemson. He's been extremely defiant on the transfer portal, and it's costing him. Uh, and it's costing him. And you look at uh, 
Duke played NC State last night, and guys, there was like, I think it was six to eight guys. I thought about you guys because uh, there's six or eight guys that are key players on the de- on that great defense of Duke, and guess where they got them from? The transfer portal. So I, I'm definitely all for the transfer portal, and our expert is Matt Semenza, Matty Ice. Uh, looking ahead, I know the offensive line, uh, there's other places on offense uh, that we need, obviously, a uh, quarterback. But you guys with uh, the transfer portal, what are you looking for um, looking ahead? Quarterback, offensive the- linemen, receivers. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you guys know my philosophy on the portal, and it, all you really have to do is look back at the last three or four recruiting classes. And when you when you really analyze it, the number of players that we brought in from the high school ranks that have not panned out and are no longer with the program is pretty staggering. If you yep. if you've ever had a chance to go through it, Brock Spalding is the only um, scholarship player left, right, on the wide receivers over the last few years. It, Off it the top of my head, guys, probably is. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. It's like one. And, uh, from, yeah, from I mean, you, you look at our receiving core. I'm sorry, Matt. You, you got Hatfield, who's been here since Jesus was a boy. <laughs> you, you got uh, you got Jalen Johnson, who came here from Georgia. You got Sowell, who came here from Colorado. So, so he's falling. There's, there's not many. We have we have had several misses on the opposite side of the ball when recruiting, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, <laughs> that's what it goes back to Mike Houston. That's why I'm not. I, I'm not. Look, it's going to play out as it plays out as the season goes, but. Um, I'm, I'm just, I go back, was Mike Houston trying to build for the future or was he just trying to win and get out of here and get another job? And that's what's coming across to me. Either that, or he just don't know how to recruit talent at this level, which is very concerning. Well, Well, to that point, I I really think that he struggles to recruit offensive linemen. I really do. And, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that, the vast majority of our linemen should be coming from the portal guys that have a year or two of experience. They have some development, bring them in and and get them to play. And I think we struggle in that area big time. And I think we're always looking for these guys that are six, 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 seven. Let me tell you something. If you're six, seven, 330 pounds, and you're not being recruited by, you know, an sec school or an ACC school, it's probably a reason for it. Maybe you can't move your feet. Maybe you're just not very physical. Um, but right now, what I see when I look at our O-line, I, I think we have a strength problem on our O-line. I don't think we're very strong. Um, SMU was consistently able to just bull rush our guys. I mean, just manhandle people up front. Um, so we have a strength problem. We do have a talent problem on the O-line. Um, we just don't have the depth, right, Matt? It, it, what's that? So I would add depth, depth, our the depth. On that great. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I think we have big problems. I uh, guys, I, I'm telling you, no, for me, I'm bringing in five guys from the portal on the O line, a minimum of five. Well, it's even more minimum. concerning to me. More concerning to me, Matt. You know, we've never got tremendous wide receiver. That's why I loved what Ruffin did because with Ruffin and, and and the Riley's offense, you don't have to have good offensive linemen. But the the bigger concern to me is the misses on receiver. There is no reason why we shouldn't be loaded at receiver. That is one thing you can always get in North Carolina, in state even, without even having to cross state lines, is receiver talent. And, you know, it, between North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, and Georgia, there is no excuse not to have good receivers. And I, I, that that the O-line thing, there's been times where we haven't had good O-line. That, that's, that's been a problem in East Carolina. This ain't the For first time. For a long time. time. Yeah, it, it's happened. But – 
it, you're right, it needs to be fixed. But the bigger concern to me is why don't we have more talent? And, and Bubba, you know, I've talked to you about this in the past that I said before that I didn't that I didn't think we were bringing in enough receivers or playing enough receivers. That's another big thing that I don't think we've done well. People want to talk about not developing quarterbacks. I don't think we've done a good job developing receivers worth a damn. I, I don't understand that. Donnie Kirkpatrick, when he was under Lincoln Riley, he knows how many receivers we played, which was about 150 every game, and he, and they all played well. I do not understand why we don't have more depth at receiver and why the receivers we have brought in have not been able to be developed. I just do not get that. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up as far as you know how we choose to to go about playing our receivers and, and essentially the, the same three guys out there for the majority of the snaps, much like it was a year ago. And, uh, and obviously, obviously then uh, you had you know, some pretty talented guys out there uh, that were proven, uh, like Isaiah Winstead, C.J. Johnson. But um, I sent Matt these numbers earlier. You know, these uh, came from hoistacolors.net, and uh, he had – um, Stephen Igo, that is, had pulled these from um, Pro Football Focus, the snap count, and in just a moment, and I'll, I can tell you those numbers specifically. But um, it's pretty interesting. Okay, so Chase Sowell against SMU played seventy-three out of the seventy-nine offensive snaps. Josiah Hatfield seventy-two, Jalen Johnson seventy, and then you had Jari Patterson eight. Keelan Robinson, five, Ryan King, three, Brock Spalding, two, and Jarrett Garner, one. That's a problem. That's a problem, particularly when the three guys you, you mentioned was outside of so well are not making plays consistently. Look, Jalen Johnson would be sitting on the bench if it were me. I'd make him sit his ass down an entire game and decide if he wants to try to make plays for us or not because he has the ability. He's a talented kid, but, you know, he has disappointed me severely this year. Yeah, we've had so many. I mean, look at that's another thing is look how many drops we've had. And if you go back and um, I don't know about that to say as strong as outcome of the game, but it, you definitely when you have drops and it's third down and you stall out and you have to punt. Um, Luke Larson has been a lot better this year. I gave him a hard time last year and early in the preseason, but um, we need to not rely Practice on the punter. perfect, Dave. He's getting a lot of practice. Oh yeah, uh, um, I, more uh, than I want him to. No, the the receiving thing to me, man, is is just is and we're still doing the same thing. We're not playing enough. We're, we're still not developing our receivers that are behind the guys starting, which aren't exactly lighting it up. Um, I, I love so well. He, he he's a sophomore. Um, he he's got all or is he a redshirt freshman? He's one or the other. He's very young. Colorado transfer. Uh, he's got a lot of upside. He's I like not him perfect. a lot. He's not perfect. Um, you know, he, he, uh, he, he makes mistakes, but he makes a lot of plays too. Besides him, I'm, I mean, it's just head scratching to me that when you, when you got problems at quarterback and the line, I guess that also can make the receivers look bad, but man, you can't be dropping balls. When when you, when you get a, when you get a ball thrown your way, you've got to catch it. We, We can't afford drop passes. Yeah. That's what I don't understand guys is that those guys uh, are not the, they're not as bad but the, when they but but when you have a situation where you're in a game you got to produce it's like a job so uh with that said uh bubba there's a comment yeah. there's some comments we uh jr had a great comment 
about the game and uh, certainly with uh, Sowell. Yeah, Chase Sowell, uh, seven receptions for 120 yards. Uh, had that nice catch and run um, that I believe set up our set up our field goal, either our field goal or our touchdown there uh, in the yeah. in the um, second quarter. But um, 12 targets for Chase. Um, Shane Calhoun got a little more involved. Um, not a huge night as far as yardage, but five receptions for on uh, seven targets for 43 yards. So that, so that was nice to see. But other than that, you had Marlon Gunn, one reception. Jalen Johnson, two for seven. Josiah, one for five. And uh, that, That's the guy that I said that we have said for two years um, that has a lot of talent. He's got a lot of speed, and I just don't understand what's going on with him because I know injuries played a part in his career, but he was one that – was an X factor for me for last year and this year, and, uh, uh, and I, I, you've always been bigger but, on Hatfield than me. But um, but point, I, be, uh, go ahead, point being, uh, the receivers outside of Chase Sowell had three receptions for twelve yards. That is horrible. Wow. That is mind-bogglingly bad. There's no excuse for that. That that is that is that is more than dude. That is more than concerning. That that's what I'm telling you. There is a problem. A, a big problem. problem. I'm telling you yeah. right now. There, there is. There That's is. Why I don't feel comfortable is, about beating anyone. Exactly, and, and there is. There is some some serious issues that need to be addressed. Um, I, I, you know, something I was just thinking, Bubba. Um, you, you tell me if I'm right. Um, you'll know this better than anybody else because you keep up with this kind of stuff. Outside of Gardner Webb. Have we only scored two touchdowns in the second half all year? One against Marshall and one against Rice on offense. I know we scored a defensive touchdown against App. That's actually probably a better question for Johnny Robertson. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm right. It hasn't been much. I'm pretty sure I'm right. Outside of Gardner Webb, I think we scored a touchdown against. I know we scored a touchdown against Rice in the second half. We scored a touchdown against Marshall in the second half. We scored one against App in the in the second half. On defense, did we score one? We didn't score one on offense. I, I, I take that back. You're, you're right. No, we, we did not score one against App on on uh, offense. Uh, it was defense. Yeah, poor so recall I, on my part there. Yeah, it was late in the first half. But um, so you know, we we thrown two touchdown passes in six games. And, uh, one for each, one for <laughs> wow. each quarterback. Oh God! And, and, and we've not had any. We've not had a running back rush for more than seventy-two yards in a game, and and then we also um, the next most was sixty-five. Both no. of those were by Javius Bond. No, the entire look. Our fan base deserves an apology from this coaching staff. I, I, I'm gonna be quite honest with you, and, and I know we ain't gonna get it, but this is this is pathetic, unacceptable. The, the, our numbers on offense is like you know it's, it's historically bad. Eleven point four points per game against FBS competition. It's, what it's is pathetic. that? What is that average? I mean, what is that, um, Bubba? What does that rank all time? Oh, I mean, I'm sure he didn't have that in front of him. But no, I mean, I, I, know I, know the, I, know uh, I know the '93 team, which went down to a a third team true freshman quarterback um, that Matt yeah. was. A, when, true freshman on that on that team, and he's well aware with that situation. When Crandall went down, where, where Perez Madison had had to play as a true freshman, I think that year we averaged just shy of sixteen points per game, 
And um, that was obviously uh, taking into consideration the numbers that we had put up before Marcus Crandall uh, went down with that injury, which were, I think, like 22 points against Syracuse and then 41 points against against uh, UCF, which was an uh, FCS team at that time. Yeah. You guys, I mean, if you're think about it like this. If you're a defensive coordinator playing East Carolina right now, and SMU did this perfectly. Their 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 game plan was perfect. You put eight in the box. All right. We are not going to get beat by the run. All right. We're going to just man you up on the outside because there's zero threat of a deep ball. How many deep balls have we thrown all year? Maybe two. Literally two. So there's no threat of a deep ball whatsoever. There's no threat of a second level throw. So essentially you just load the box. All right. You man up on the outside and you take away the running game and you don't let Mason beat you with the read option. All right. He might get one on you occasionally, like on a, on a scramble play or a busted play type of thing, but SMU did a brilliant job. Their defensive coordinator. And that's what they did. That's all you right now to beat East Carolina. That's all you have to do. And the fact that we haven't thrown more deep balls is criminal. And, And here's the thing about throwing the deep ball guys. Like, Sometimes you throw the deep ball, all right, even if you don't complete it, it's incredibly effective because what it does is it loosens up the defense. It gives the secondary. If you're playing safety, it gives you something to think about, right? What I always like to do, and I'm telling you, as a a guy who played defense, when when a coach would come out on the first possession of the game and run like a play-action deep shot – even if they didn't complete it, it gave you something to think about in the back of your head. You're thinking, man, this deep shot could come at any time. We don't even put that on film. Like literally we don't put that on film. So what we do is we just limit ourselves in every way possible. It's so easy to play defense against us right now. Um, and what you, this is what you have. You have a team that's just completely inept and can't score touchdowns. And I, yeah. understand, I understand that, uh, you know, especially when you're, playing against someone like SMU that's very good up front and um, does get a lot of pressure on the quarterback and you're doing things to uh, uh, make pass protection uh, what it needs to be to give you a fighting chance. But, you know, sprint him out, uh, you know, roll roll him out uh, half roll to the top of the numbers and, you know, know, like, like we discussed, Matt, you know, and let him sling it down the, down the field to Josiah Hatfield because at this point, um, you know, people were able to play so close to the line, you know, Hey, maybe, maybe Josiah gets behind someone and and runs underneath one. If nothing else, like you're saying, um, you put the thought there that that's a possibility that you could do it um, with with a guy like Josiah Hatfield that runs a legit four, three. Yeah. You, you really put the fear into a free safety, right? Like if you're a free safety who loves to come downhill against the run, Give him, give him a play-action deep shot early in the game. Give him something to think about. He'll think twice about coming downhill next time. I'm telling but, you, it's 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 just it's mind-boggling to me. Now, part of the issue is that we can't even take a three-step drop without getting pressure in the face of the quarterback. That's definitely part of the issue. Right. But, so, so half roll him and you sprint him, out, sprint him out to the numbers and let, it, let him sling it. That's right. Exactly. Even if it's nothing but a freaking Hail Mary, just roll him out and have him yeah. go deep. I mean, I, I, you know, and another thing you guys hadn't mentioned, but it's pretty obvious, even if you don't complete it. And like you said, sometimes it's just the thought of it, but a lot of times you can get a PI almost. 
Mm -hmm. That's right, Kyle. You yeah. get that PI constantly. That's a great point. Yes, you see you it all the time. Hey, you know what? We did throw a little fade to Sowell. I want to say it was in the third quarter, and we did yeah. get a PI. Exactly. So that highlight Mike and James Madison did that to us back in 2017. Constantly, constantly did it against we us. We only had about 10 pass interference calls in that game. Exactly. You're right. I, I just don't get it. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know. Like I said, a lot of this, it, 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 it's a combination of coaching and talent. But you, you've got to be creative. You, you know, if it, it use Mason's strengths, and I know Matt, you got some video we're going to break out and, and you know break down some plays where you think you know it, it kind of isolates some of what Mason can do well. Yeah, I think one thing one thing that I really observed coming out of that game, Kyle, is that when you watch Mason, he he's he first of all he's very comfortable rolling to his right and maybe very comfortable is not the right word but when you have a quarterback that's struggling in so many areas right now you got to look at what he's doing well or where he can thrive yep. he showed some ability rolling to his right making plays so i think you know right now that's where he feels the most comfortable so that's really where you have to try to he, set up your passing game around that he also uh, looks comfortable running the speed option that's he does. It. He does. Um, and we incorporated that into the offense. We ran it twice, and I really, really like that. That's one of the plays we're going to highlight in a minute. But if you watch Mason, he's not comfortable in the pocket, and he's not comfortable scanning and throwing to the left side of the field. Where he's comfortable is rolling to his right. So I'm going to put in plays where it's play action, whether it's a half roll, whether I have I have to bring in a tight end to chip on the defensive end and wash everything down. And then I can roll him to the right to get him to a place where at least he's comfortable. Um, and you can see that pretty clearly, you know, and then the other thing with him, if you get him in situations where, you know, he's able to break free and he's running, you got a 250 pound grown man in the open field and he's yeah. a beast to take down. That's yeah. another area where he thrives. I mean, he's, He's a he's a damn handful, you know. Once he gets ahead of steam, like going back so, to David Garrard. Remember, he was running. I mean, well, they, I, he's like a linebacker to try to bring down. I heard, you know, back, I go back to that state game and the announcers when Flynn was starting in that game, and um, uh, they talked about the announcers said that you know Mason had you know mentioned him having 130 yards rushing against Marshall, and um, Donnie Kirkpatrick apparently had said, uh, I guess they were talking to the, the announcers interviewing him at something. They said that. Kirkpatrick said that he doesn't want his quarterback to have over 100 yards rushing. So, you know, that's why Flynn got the start. And, you know, whatever his strength is, if it's running, utilize his strength like you're talking about, Matt. It, 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 you know, if it is, ideally, yeah, you want your quarterback to be passing the ball. But if his legs is what's going to win us ball games, whatever it takes to win at this point, and, you know, have we seen the last of Flynn? Probably not. Will we see Jeter? I, I do think we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jeter some this week, honestly. Burn that yeah. red shirt, man. If he can play, get him on the field. Yeah. I yep. am I am in this era, You, I think, I don't remember who said it earlier. It was me. In this era of, col yeah, co in this era of college football, the way players hit the portal, NIL, this and that, I'm playing guys. Yep. There's very few situations where I'm going to redshirt a player. You know, even if I have to get them on special teams, um, I, I don't worry about any of that stuff anymore like I used to even five years ago. No, nah. yeah, I don't. I don't think you can. I, 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 I you, 
because chances are if he's good, unless he just loves it here and we get him a good NIL deal, he won't be here four years anyway. And that's another point is that's another point. Our fan base and you guys don't like me talking about, but our fan base needs to wake up and we're not going to play some players. We'll continue to love to lose, continue to love to lose. If you love to lose, well, I, when have you heard it. people say that? I haven't heard people say. Oh, that. they do. They do. There's a lot of people that do that. They they don't. Well, I mean, how are they financially? I mean, if you if you're well off and you have no problem donating to the pirate club, look, man, you can give. You can look. Yeah, with, ten dollars a month. I agree with you. I agree with you 100. I, I give ten dollars a month. So Nobody's saying that you have to get a personal loan or give a big amount you can't afford. But if everybody gave like Clemson, if everybody gave. Ten dollars to the pirate club, or ten dollar, uh, ten dollars a month to the pirate club, and ten dollars a month to IL. That's twenty dollars a month. Are you really telling me? I'm not saying that we have rich, a whole bunch of rich donors out there, but we have a lot of people that care, and we have a lot of people passionate about our fan uh, and our family. I, I, I agree. We we definitely need to make Team Boneyard lucrative enough so when the staff goes to the portal there's some money there to be spent. But I will say this. You look at Appalachian State, you look at Marshall, you look at Coastal. You cannot tell me that they've got more money to spend in NIL than we do in their work in the portal. If they do, then we're then we need to figure out what they're doing and what we're not doing. And, you know, I, I go back to our leadership. You, we talk in IL, but who's out there beating Who's out there pounding their chest, beating the podium? Do you see Gilbert out there, you know, talking NIL, Ryan Rock? Where Where is it at, maybe on an individual basis, but where is it at coming from the university on a large scale, you know, getting people fired up? It's just, it ain't there. It ain't there. We, you know, Gilbert does some things well. I do think he makes good hires if you look at, you know, he hired Mike Schwartz. You know, our volleyball coach. He hired him. He hired the he hired uh, uh, McNeil, who's done the job women's basketball. Coach. He hired the softball coach. So he does make good hires. So I'm not saying Gilbert's horrible at everything, but he sure does suck at getting the fan base fired up and motivated. Well, that's the thing, guys. Is that it doesn't matter how I feel or anybody else feels. That's the way college football and college sports are, he- are heading. So if you want East Carolina to be a competitor, ask Mike Houston. If he had a choice, I'll tell you this right now, Kyle, you know where I'm going. If you have a choice of NIL or indoor practice yeah. facility, yeah. he's going to tell you that he, as much as he wants the indoor practice facility, he wants it bad. He said, and privately and publicly now, NIL is more important. Is more important. Uh, I said that first. He I did. Said that I know you did. I know you did. Y'all, y'all disagreed with me at the time. And, um, I mean, it's just real simple. If, if I'm a college or if I'm a high school football player or a college football player in the portal, um, I, I you you gonna give me you gonna give me twenty grand, um, or you got an indoor practice facility? Oh, you got an indoor practice facility? I don't need that twenty grand. Come on, man. Yes, of course nil is more important. We should have had an indoor practice facility years, years ago. ago. We still need one. Yep. But nil yeah, is hugely important, and it goes back to working the portal. Um, you you, you need to have good in to be able to have. Well, it goes hand in hand. You need to right. have some nil money to work that portal better. Right. And, you know, guys, and here's uh, where it gets really complicated, you know, like not only bringing in new players, but let's, you know, just to kind of, again, focus on the defense for a second. Defense did some great things. And I think the corner Ravel, um, I I am very, very impressed with him. Uh, 
This kid is six four. He had he was targeted ten times the other night. He gave up two receptions. Now yeah, they kept going. My, they kept going. They told the announcers talked about it. You remember that, Matt? They kept yeah. going. And they they mentioned that and, about and how one of them was a Sports Center top ten type. I'm, I don't know, not literally necessarily, but it was a highlight real catch. Yeah, so this kid can play, and but but to my point about where it gets complicated, not only are you trying to bring bring guys into the program, trying to keep going after the season. I'm going to tell you guys right now that kid, he is going to get big time offers. Is that big the kid? Is that the Miami offers. kid? No. Okay, I'm horrible with names. Ravel came from a, I want to say like a junior college. Okay, that's um, another thing that Kyle's and, mentioned. He, that I agree with you. He is six three, six four. He can run. I'm telling you, man, we're going to have our hands full. I hate to say it, and you guys know how I feel about this modern-day portal and NIL crap, but good luck hanging on to that kid. We're going to have to show him some money. And that and that is where, in this day and age, it gets really complicated for East Carolina. No doubt about it. And, I don't want to go down that road too much. No, look, I, well, let me say this to answer your question, Kyle. I, I know that Hank Henton from Team Boneyard said uh, back a few months ago, Bubba, you can help me out, but that he was saying – that what we were told, like the size school being an AAC, being East Carolina, we would need to generate at least a million dollars a year. So I said, I'm a Matt Semenza. I said, okay, if they're saying a million, let's generate three million. And there is enough donors out there that they I appreciate them for giving to the Pirates Unite campaign. They give a lot of money to the Pirate Club. Not complaining about that. But we've got to make sure those big donors – those big donors have got to give to NIL, to Team Boneyard. And if they do, then you're going to start seeing so – we'll we won't be able to keep every player, but I guarantee you guys there's a lot of players that we can keep if we put an emphasis on NIL. We, we, we need to put an emphasis on NIL. we got to grow the Pirate Club and grow Amen. the Team Boneyard. we got to get new members. we got to get people coming in. But this product on the football field ain't going to do that. we we, we got to have a good product. It's kind of, it's kind of what comes for the chicken or the egg. And here's the whole thing, you know, you, you didn't hear Mike Houston. Mike Houston ain't said publicly that I've heard him go, "Hey, uh, look, the reason the reason we we suck on offense is because I didn't have the money in NIL to get players out of the portal." Well, if that's the case, say it, Mike. I mean, I, you know, as far as I knew, every he 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 seemed to think we were going to be great. He still acts like he thinks we're going to be great, and I get that. You don't want to say, you know, "Hey, we suck," <laughs> but. You know, I, I don't know that the portal and NIL is the reason we're battling offense right let me now. Ask, that's my point. Let me ask you guys because we'll um, talk about the Charlotte game here with Matt's favorite team. And I'm sorry to bring that up, Matt. I know you're torn. That I say that for people that don't know. That's an inside joke. Uh, Matt can, can't stand. Uh, first of all, we couldn't stand Charlotte <laughs> because they were picked because of a market. And they've gotten like a rich kid. They've gotten everything for, for little effort or none. And now they've got an obnoxious coach. Um, having said that, guys, with this week, if you see a nice win against Charlotte, does that make you feel a little bit better? I know it's not changing your mind as far as the season goes, but what is it going to take for you to start seeing, all right, that's a baby step in the right direction? It's gonna, I'll tell you, it's going to take me a while to get over what happened at the six-minute mark in the fourth quarter uh, on Friday night. But, yeah, I guess it makes you feel a little better. I mean, you know, but for me – you know, that's a game you you coming into the season, like that's a game you absolutely have to win. And absolutely. now it's at the point, but but is but it is at the point as a like, win. Man, yeah. I hope we I hope we can just find a way to win this by one and get out of here, which is like mind boggling. 
to, to say yeah. that we're at that point, but that's where we're at. And so I guess, you know, it, it make me feel a little better, but like, I, I won't go crazy about it. Well, what he was asking is what, what would it take to make you feel better against the Char- against Charlotte and um, not just beating them. Uh, I'll be happy with a win, but in terms of the offense, what would make me feel optimistic going forward? Like 30, uh, to, to score, I, 24 offensive points, I'd feel optimistic going forward because Charlotte's defense is pretty good. So if we were to go yeah. put 24 offensive points on them um, and then be able to build off that, like if we won 24 to 7, and Absolutely. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Yeah. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen, a matter of fact. But if we were to win 24-7, to 7, I would feel optimistic, cautiously optimistic. Because, honestly, with our defense, if we could score 24 points a game, we, we would can be win three, every game. We would be 3-3 three and three right now. If yep. we could just score 24 points a game offensively, we would be 3-3 three and three right now. Matt, have you thought about that? We, we don't even have to be that good on offense. If we could just score 24 points a game, we'd be three and three right now. If you're just competent, if you're yep. just competent, we are. So, yeah, no, I think that's – there's no doubt about it. I mean, we, we are historically bad offensively, and that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. And that's you know? the difference between the Skip Holtz era and what's happening now is we weren't lighting it up during the Skip Holtz days, but e- even when we were down to Norman Whitley and Brandon Simmons as our running backs – and that's not an insult to either one of those guys. I love Brandon Sims as a person, and he was a good running back. But when we got down to our third and fourth string running back, we could still score points. So it was, you know, people – so when we compare eras, that's the most similar style of football. But we were never this inept on offense. You cannot win football games and be this inept on offense. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. You know, that's what I'm saying. If we could just get to averaging 24 points a game, we we would be okay. Oh, there's no there's no question about it. And, and but and the thing that goes into that is, and, you, and we touched on it before, but when you're moving the ball offensively, keeps your defense off the field. It keeps them fresh for the fourth quarter, which is right now. That's kind of like our sticking. Well, we did dominate possession against SMU for three quarters anyway. That is a very good point. I, and then, but the other part of that too is just like from a like mentally. As a defense, when you know your offense just can't score, it gets deflating at some point. But if your offense can just give you some life, man, every now and then give you something. Um, well, the defense permeates the defense, throughout your team. The defense kind of did what I did after that. Um, after that fourth and two play where we didn't go for it, down fourteen, I left. Well, I said if they're waving the white flag, I'm going home. And um, don't blame me. I don't yeah, blame you at all. I think that's what the defense did. I think they said, well, if they're giving up, why should we keep busting our ass? And um, so I don't know, man, but we, we, the bottom line is we've got to find a way to beat Charlotte. If we lose to Charlotte, it's going to get very ugly around Greenville. I mean, it's Mike Houston's not used to having pressure. Um, you know, he's won everywhere he's been. Well, we lose to Charlotte. It's people are going to be calling for his job. It's going to be, it's going to go from fire Donnie to fire Mike um, if we lose to if we lose to Houston. Uh, excuse me, if we lose to Charlotte, I don't know why I've done that twice now. I did it on Pirate Radio. I referred to Charlotte as Houston for some reason, but if we if we lose to Charlotte, um, it's, you, you're, the fire Donnie signs will become fire Mike signs. So, guys, uh, Elliot Jameson, you know, probably about half an hour ago, had mentioned. 
<laughs> first and second down calls. Um, you know, I don't have any data on the second down calls, but I know against Rice, we threw the ball approximately 65% of the time on first down. And then uh, against SMU, in this game plan, you know, as ugly as it was, uh, made sense um, because because uh, even though we weren't having a lot of success there, you know, we we, we uh, you know we had uh, heard about how good SMU was in the front. Uh, it's been well documented how we struggled to protect the passer, and we did some things to uh, to aid in that. But um, you know, the other night against SMU in the first half, I don't have the second half numbers, but in the first half we had 15 first down plays. 13 of those 15 were runs. So 87% of the time we ran the ball on first down in the first half. And then at one point, I want to say we, we ran the ball 12 consecutive times. And uh, of those 13 runs overall in the first half on first down, 10 were for two yards or less. So, uh, yeah, not, not a lot of success. Uh, and, you know, any, I know that's no surprise to anyone that was watching the game, but, um, but with sadly enough with our, you know, struggles to protect the passer, it did allow us to, to largely uh, control the football in the, in the first half, even though most of the time it was, uh, three and outs or, um, you know, maybe four or five plays and not a ton of production there outside of two drives. And uh, I think the it was like 20 to 10 as far as time of possession in the first half. Yeah, I think his thought was, you know, and maybe we eventually ball control, keep their offense off the field, and then maybe we wear them down by the fourth quarter. But it, didn't it was happen. 14 to 10 going into the yeah. fourth quarter. Yeah, wear them down, break a big play. I, I say, and I said it before, when you're going to have that game plan, that's fine. But you got to check their oil every now and then. You got to take a deep shot if you're going to have that game plan to, to make it work. And we didn't do that. Yeah. And, you know, one of the big problems we, we have offensively is that we consistently start behind the chains. And, Penalties. you know, guys, there were four false starts on first down the other night. Yeah. Four. Now, that is, that's a disaster. And, you know, you got to call out everybody for that. You got to call out the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the offensive line coach, and you got to call out the offensive lineman too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got to tell you, man, I played football my whole life. I don't think I ever had a false start. It's not that hard. You got to pay attention. Uh, this happens every week. You know, four false starts on on first down. Come on, that's got to be cleaned up. This is this is big boy football. This isn't Pop Warner. And you know, and then. You know, if it's not that, it's a holding. It's, you know, a predictable run up the middle where you lose three yards and now you're in second and 13. I mean, it just seems like – and I don't have the stat on this. And, and maybe, like, Johnny might know. Johnny Robertson is really good with this stuff. I, I'm curious to know how many times we were in second – you know, we had uh, second and negative um, yards the other night. It had to be six or seven times. Too often. Uh, I don't know how many times it was, but it was far too You mean often. where we had in second and over 10? Yes. Correct. Correct. All right. I'll see if I can fi- find that. I guess, I'm going to guess six or seven times off the top of my head. Yeah, it's not good. 
it's definitely not good, guys. I'll tell you, we got to, you're right about that. The penalties, um, you, Matt, you saw, I was doing a math the other night. I was like literally just shaking my head with the false starts because um, that's something those, and those guys, and, and now those guys have actually played together enough um, that it's, it's not like it's the first game of the year. But um, right. definitely, yeah. and you're right, though. You you, you got to do everything you can for our inexperienced quarterback to help out the quarterback. And you're moving knowing, I mean, uh, that's just, th- those are senseless penalties, just like a late hit for me and on defense just drives me nuts. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, we, we got to correct those mistakes. And those are correctable mistakes. I mean, those are things you can fix. That's right. not that's not talent. That's not that's not ex- well. It is execution, it, and, and that's why it's correctable. Those are correctable mistakes, and it, it, they need to be corrected. That 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 should have been corrected weeks ago. It, you know, the going against Charlotte. You know, to me, the Charlotte game is going to come down to who turns the ball over and who gets the most penalties. So we got to play smart football and not turn the ball over against Charlotte. I think that's going to determine who wins this football game. So and I don't think of, this is going to be the game that you're going to see us come out and uh, be wide open because Houston knows that uh, probably whoever doesn't turn the ball over and, and whoever doesn't get the most penalties is going to win this game. And speaking of turnovers, SMU, as good as they have been defensively, they had only forced two turnovers all season, and then we turned it over twice there in the final quarter. And uh, that obviously decided the game. It went from fourteen to ten to to thirty-one ten in a hurry. Yeah, that pick six was a was a backbreaker. And then you, you think about the, back to the strip. Uh, I don't think we've talked about uh, that play yet. The where uh, Alex Flynn. Flynn had an excellent run, uh, picked up ten plus, and what would have been a first down. I think twelve or thirteen yard gain, and um, just. The SMU defender flat out took it away from him, and uh, you know rather than immediately getting to the line of scrimmage and snapping the football, yeah, you know, getting a review like SMU had, um, like what they had done early in the game on the completion on their sideline, uh, you know we took our sweet time, um, and that brought up a good question because Alex Flynn he had to wait on a receiver to get lined up or at least thought he had to wait on the receiver, um, which you know raised a question in my mind. You know, if you go ahead and snap the football, I'll gladly take first and 15 in that situation as opposed to not not retaining possession. Did you, did you clarify that? Okay. Uh, yeah, I asked uh, somebody, um, you know, that's a division, division uh, one coach, and uh, he said that, now, he believes that um, that would have negated the review, but wasn't 100%. Okay. Hey, guys. So he snap, but he took the penalty, and then they wouldn't have ever review the play. So, Correct. Yeah. Um, based on what what he was thinking. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't put that 100% on Flynn, because if you didn't know it, he didn't know it. But it, the receiver's got to get his ass lined up. you got to be you got to be situationally aware, and you, you got to be yelling. What, whatever your call is there, whatever you call that, whatever you call your – hurry to the line, you know, whatever you're, you know, Bubba, you played quarterback. Right. What, what, what would you be yelling in that situation? I know Jason Nichols, I know who obviously years of experience at the FBS and SCS levels. And uh, he said, you know, the staffs he had been on, you know, they would call it, they would have it a, a Geronimo call, but, you know, 
regardless, you know, you have something like that. Uh, so you're yelling, Geronimo, Geronimo, Geronimo. Everybody knows she's getting lined up. It doesn't matter what we're, what we're snapping. Yeah, whatever, whatever your call is, you know, you, you're immediately screaming that, you know, as a quarterback and as a, a coach on the sideline. And um, all you have to do is it doesn't matter as long as you, you – know, Snap it and throw it away. You that on the football. Yeah. You go to your base run play, a quarterback sneak or whatever, yeah. and, and the football's been snapped. Review negated, and you move on. Exactly. But uh, guys, uh, let's say hypothetically. I don't know if you guys have talked about this. Forgive me, but have you talked about if Donnie gets fired? Uh, what pe- people? Because I saw that Kenneth Maynard mentioned Petrino might be available after Jimbo gets fired at A and M. Donnie's going to be gone at the end of this year. There's no if. Uh, whether it's retirement or fire, Donnie's gone. So um, who do you hire as OC? Look. Um, there's a reason that um, uh, Montgomery, Shane Montgomery, is on staff as offensive analyst. He's been a successful OC and a head coach. Um, he wouldn't be my, my pick, uh, but I think he'll probably um, get strong consideration. Uh, but I, I'd like to see us go out and hire somebody else that, you know, I need to watch more what Shane Montgomery has done on offense, what kind of plays he ran when he was at James Madison, Youngstown State, Buffalo, Miami of Ohio. I, you know, there's a reason, he, to my knowledge, he's never been an OC at a Power 5 conference school. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I personally hope we go outside the program and, and, and really kind of overhaul this offense as a whole. But uh, the question will be, you know, I guess it would kind of be, you know, what kind of progress we show on offense. If we're if we're a two and ten football team and and Houston doesn't get the axe, um, I don't think promoting Shane Montgomery is going to make anybody happy. But uh, so you're asking, who would I like to see us? Who would we like to see us brought in as OC? Uh, there's several good options out there. You know, uh, <laughs> Petrino. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see him and Mike Houston being a good combination. I, I, I don't see that work. You would hear about like there was a huge fight in the Ward Sports Medicine building on the. Uh, the what I, what I would like to see floor. Mike Houston do is hire somebody who is a creative offensive mind and turn the keys over to him on the offense and let him run when he wants to run and and Houston just concentrate on the defense and running the football program. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Team. One guy, I'll tell you one. My limit would be I would never bring in a Petrino. Like, he's the one guy I would just – I wouldn't I, hire him if I was coaching a high school – you know, if I was the athletic director for a high school team. He's going to leave he's us just, after a short period of time. He's char- just low character. He, he's, that guy's scum, honestly. He 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 left his team. Didn't he leave his team at halftime? Do you remember he, that? I don't want to – I don't want to die. Falcons? Yeah, the Falcons. He didn't he yeah. leave at halftime. He wrote like a note. Uh, he, yeah. He's never. He's never. You know. Look, a lot of people want to talk about what happened in Arkansas. I, I I've seen that secretary. I don't have a problem with that. Um, <laughs> I, oh, that's uh, great, Kyle. Yeah, I'm just being honest. Um, I, you know, I. It, it, but the other things that he's done, no, no, Petrino, no, thank you. I, I'd rather, honestly, and some people, you know, this is going to be a controversial statement. But uh, nobody wants to tar Chart Bryles with a 10-foot pole. And, um, you know, I don't know how much culpability Art had and what went on at Baylor. It's been debated. Um, but uh, you're, if, you, if you don't give a damn about controversy, nobody else is going to hire him. We'd have Art Bryles for forever if you want to make him OC. Yeah, I mean, to me personally, uh, like I said, we got to do everything 
and people will get mad at me for saying this, but we got to do everything to win. The fan base. I'll tell you somebody, um, Bubba, Bubba, talk hey, about what it's not going to happen, but it is fun to think about. Uh, talk about a home run uh, with Art Browse. Yeah. Art Browse, um, you know, he was down to what his third or fourth team quarterback. He had like eight or nine, something ridiculous. Uh, people line up behind center and uh, and catch a snap um, and using a wildcat approach like that ran for over 500 at least, or maybe even 600 yards against North Carolina down in Florida in the bowl game. I remember that well. Um, hey, and what about that, I was that, was, that, was, that was Matt, classic. Uh, I, 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 we're not to this point yet, but if we get to this point, I'll lose to Charlotte. Uh, Kendall Browse, his son, the OC at Arkansas, is somebody that I would put on my short list for head coaching candidates if we lose to Charlotte because those talks will start. Uh, Bubba. Speaking of that, offensive minds, you have been really high on the Western Carolina head coach. Talk about him. Kerwin Bell um, played quarterback at the University of Florida, um, won a national championship as the head coach at Valdosta State. Right now is doing an excellent job at Western Carolina. Um, over the last three games, they're averaging just shy of you know, 59 and a, 59 and a fraction per game. 59 60, points per game, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, essentially 60 points per game for the season. They wow. are 5-1. and one. Um, Arkansas did limit them to 13 points, but outside of that, it, in, or I should say even with that, 13 points against Arkansas through um, six huh. games. Six games, they're averaging 47 points per game. Does anybody think we could score In Western Carolina's FBS program that has not had a lot of success, you know, he's – He's not exactly. He's not doing that at uh, James at, Madison. Yeah, at a at a Furman or uh, James, James Madison. Well, obviously James Madison's moved up, but yeah, I'm using that as an example for Mike Houston. Oh, okay, yes. Um, I uh, yeah, Western Carolina historically bad, and they're lighting it up this year. Will be a playoff team most likely. And does anybody think we could score 13 points against Arkansas with FBS talent? Very no. true. <laughs> We've topped out at 17 thus far. And that was against Rice. Yeah. Well, so. yeah. Well, yeah, offensively. Yeah, we – well, against F, we put up more than that against App, but that was those two defensive – 14 offensive yeah. points. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a nightmare. Uh, so, it's a shame that we're sitting here have to discuss – well, hit coaches and, and even OCs. I, I think Donnie I, – I fully believe, Bubba, you and I talked about this. I fully believe Donnie was planning on retiring at the end of this year. I think that Sean Brees and Shane Montgomery was brought in. But And for uh, full disclosure, uh, Kenneth, uh, as far as K- uh, Kerwin Bell is concerned, obviously he's the head coach there. And, you know, with that being the case, you know, he's not – he is not – absolutely would not leave that to, to be our – to be our OC. Um, no, I was thinking he, more – He made such a move leaving Valdosta State where he won national championship as a – at the D2 level to take an OC spot on Charlie Strong's staff at South Florida. And that was a nightmare because, you know, from everything I understand, um, you know, from Florida sources, he was not given full reins. And I, and I, I didn't misspeak there from Florida sources that, you know, he's close with from his days as a Gator. And he, he said that he was not given the leeway and that, was necessary and he was only there one year so then he left there went to Dan Mullen's staff as an analyst and then was hired at Western Carolina 
Yeah, and and you know, and so and it may become a point where we're talking about if we lose to Charlotte, we're talking about head coaching candidates. But right now, it is OC candidates. And so let me ask like, you, I love how people say that uh, head coaching candidates when we can't we can't afford to fire the guy. And so if we're one in eleven, you can't afford not to fire him. Okay, so uh, there's a guy named Jeff Confer. We paid him for five years doing absolutely. And I wouldn't have fired, I wouldn't nothing. paid him a dime. Agreed, but he I'm just saying you. Me. So you're going to pay. So we have the money. Everybody says we don't have any money. We have the money to pay for a head coach that we're going to fire. We're going to have a. Uh, I'm not. I'm saying if we go one and eleven, Dave. And I don't think I think you got to give him to twenty four um, and make coaching changes. If we go one and eleven, we go one and eleven. We have the same man standing on the sideline without a single Power Five team on the schedule next year. We will not sell ten thousand season tickets. Well, then yeah. we're going to have to find a way to raise the money. The donors, you got to come up with. Uh, well, no, what we're going to have to do is not go 1. one and eleven. How about that? How about we don't go one and eleven? How about we? How about we beat Charlotte and we win some other games and we just and we replace the OC and some other coaches? But if if we go one and eleven and and we have the worst offense in ECU history, and he he this is all his players. Okay, all Montgomery's players are gone. This is all. This is right. all one hundred percent on Mike Houston. And I firmly believe it's because he didn't work on building and developing this program for year five because he thought his ass was going to be gone last year because he thought he was going to win nine or ten games. But because of a missed field goal against NC State and an interception against Navy, he's still here. And he didn't prepare himself to be here for this year. And I think if he goes 1-11, you reap what you sow. So, and I hope that doesn't happen. Look, if we lose to Charlotte this week, I am going to be distraught. So I, I I don't want to fire Mike Houston. I want to beat Charlotte, move on, find a way to win a couple more games, finish four. And, to me, at this point, if we finish four and eight, I would feel very optimistic about next year. Three and nine, I would accept. What but about even, five and seven? Well, five and seven, I I hey, could go I'd to a bowl of five fired and seven. Up. I'd be fired up five and seven, honestly, but it, I don't see it happening. That means you okay. So what you're saying is we won't go five hundred the rest of the way. Three and three. Absolutely not. We won't. There's no reason to, based on what we've seen thus far, why would you think we'd go three and three or better? Exactly. Why would you think? Explain to me why. Dave, explain how we're going to go three and three. What you've seen to make us go. Talk me into we're going to go three and three the rest of the way. Okay. All right. I can do that. All right. So if you look at the schedule left on there, on what we have left, we have Charlotte. I think we that's home. I think we got a good shot at that. Um, I look at Navy and Tulsa; those those uh, three certainly come to mind. And we have the ability. Will we do it? I don't know, but we have the ability to sneak another win in there. But I think we can go three and three. I really. Well, you do. just named schools. Tell me why we're going to beat them. Why we're going to beat them? I think that it's it's not a matter of uh, we're. I think we've had schools that that you said about talent. So let's say. Do you think Tulsa has more talent than East Carolina? Do you think well, Navy Tul- has more Tulsa, talent? Tulsa, check, check out the, how many points per game Tulsa's putting up right now. Based on based on what they've done so far, uh, yeah. Now, I, now, look, I am not a fan of, of, of Tulsa's head coach at all. Uh, do not like him at right. all. He's not someone I like. But he, so far, I don't even know what Tulsa's record is off my head, but I know I've watched him play twice and they've scored some points. Um, so I don't know, Bubba, Matt, I don't know if either one of you know Tulsa's record and what their points per game is, but they've looked good offensively. Um, 
outside of the only team that I think we are on the rest of our schedule that I think we are better than is Charlotte. Um, do I think do I if we improve on offense, if we if we make adjustments on offense to utilize Garcia's strengths, if the O line can gel, then 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 maybe we can win some more games. But there's nothing that's been seen so far offensively that makes me think we can go 500 the rest of the way. I hope we can. I hope we do. That'd be great. That's what I'm looking at. If I look at the schedule, I'm being honest. I know Pays FAU is looking really good right now. Uh, certainly, I, I the uh, and the Texas the TSA game is uh, next week. That's on the road. Frank Harris uh, is back. Yeah, I look at Tulane. Those two, those three games are going to be tough. But if you win the Charlotte game, you can win the Navy game, and you can win. Um, you have a good chance to win uh, the Tulsa game as well. So that last home, last home game of the year. What's Tulsa? Do you have the Tulsa record in points per game, Bubba? I three do. Three is what Brandon's saying. Well, they're three and three. Um, so they they beat FCS opponent Arkansas Pine Bluff forty two seven in the opener, and then they had um, you know, two games against what are top ten, I guess now really top five opponents um at washington lost 43 to 10 oklahoma uh, lost 66 17 then they won at northern illinois 22 14 they beat temple 48 26 and then uh, they lost 20 to 17 at florida atlantic so um yeah 48 points against temple and uh Obviously, you know, well, we scored 44 against Gardner Webb, and that was with the aid of five turnovers that gave us short fields. Yeah. No. So, could we beat Tulsa? Yeah, but uh, we're going to be the underdog in that game. But can we beat them in Greenville on Thanksgiving weekend on Senior Day? Absolutely. But we're going to have to. You know, there's going to be a lot of football between now and that Tulsa game. Yeah. Um. And UTSA. Look, let me tell y'all something right now. Um. I don't know how many of y'all, and I'm speaking of collective y'all, all of Pirate Nation, have watched Frank Harris play. Um, I don't know how many people watched UTSA football the last two years prior to this year with him being out up until this past week. Um, Frank Harris is a hell of a quarterback. I've watched him play in Conference USA a lot the last couple of years. And now that he's back healthy, they are a completely different football team. So I, I, I'm glad for the kid personally, for him that he's back. I hate it for us. Well, you never know. That's why you have to play the games. We got six games left, so I'm not. I'm not willing to write off the season just no, yet. Nobody Let's is. Nobody's going to write it off. Nobody's suggesting that we don't play the games, but it's just there's. I mean, if you besides the defense, there's no reason to be optimistic. I said if we score 24 offensive points against Charlotte, uh, then I'll feel way more optimistic about the offense. So that that's my threshold: uh, 24 offensive points, and of course. I'm saying offensive points. Three of those would be special teams, but the offense gets us in that position to score. All right, let's go now. I know uh, Matt was talking about earlier in the show uh, when, whenever we were doing that uh, about the clips you have. And Matt, I know Bubba's got them ready. Let's do those clips and talk about uh, the different plays to help out uh, Mason and the team, especially when they're struggling on offense. Are you ready to go, Matt? I'm ready, fellas. I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Um, yeah, I'll kind of let Bubba. Bubba, you can you can you can bring them up um, anywhere you want, really. I mean, okay, we'll we'll start off and we'll just go in chronological order. Um, there, I, I want to say, let's see. So here we are, 
two and a half minutes left in the first quarter, second and 12. So this is one of those situations now where you're starting behind, you know, you're starting in second and 12. So negative uh, yardage on first down. But this is a play here. What we're trying to do is look at plays where Mason is comfortable. He looks to his left. He pump fakes it. You have good blocking in front. And when you get him in the open field, yep. 250 pounds, this dude can make plays. This is where he thrives. Playmaker. So I did like this little wrinkle here. You know, I liked how he pump faked it. He looked to his left. He pump faked it. That can freeze the linebackers for just a second. That's all it takes. And it was blocked up well. So I did like that, um, this play. I'd like to see some more of this here. And this yeah, was a big play here. Excellent job. Um, you know, you saw Marlon Gunn leading the way. And terrific job by Mason of reading that block of Marlon Gunn there down downfield. By the way, um, now that we're looking at this, this is and Matt. I'm sorry, I just had to mention this. I uh, love those uniforms, even though we played bad. Them. Absolutely, particularly the pants. The pants just, I just. Anyway, go ahead. Agreed, agreed, buddy. So we anyway, that's, anyway, that's example number one, guys. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to look at things and look at areas where Mason is comfortable. I think that's one. If you can get him in the open field, spread the field a little bit. Um, again. 250 pounds. Good luck tackling him one-on-one. So that was the yeah. first example. No doubt. All right. I guess the next right, here we go. Now here we are again, third and 12. And this is what we talked about earlier. This is where Mason's most comfortable when he's rolling to his right. So everything gets washed down. Nice pass to, in the middle. Yep. He's able to deliver a nice throw. Um, so that's a really nice job there. He's not stand again. He's not standing in the pocket like a statue. He's on his move to the right. And he's able to deliver a strike. That's a beautiful play. So that's that's example number two. Go for it, Bubba. Another long yardage situation. Second and fourteen uh, at our own thirty yard line, and uh, once again, uh, Mason connects with Chase so well. You see, um, got some pressure from from the middle and. Mason rolled nice. to his right and and uh, connected with so well. And then what an excellent run after the catch, 47-yard gain, and perhaps our biggest play all year, if not definitely uh, one of the top two or three plays. My biggest play all year was Mason's running play against Marshall. Yes, 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 yards. yeah, 65 yards or whatever it was. Yeah. Maybe. yeah. But that That's the kind of stuff that we need to – you guys, you're exactly right. That's the kind of stuff we need to do. And I know, Bubba, you've got those clips, so we'll I'll pass it back to you. Yeah, I just I think we should have more blocking schemes like this. Like even if you look at that last play, we washed the defensive end down. Where we struggle is when we try to make him a pocket quarterback. The pocket collapses around him. All right. Even if you have to bring a tight end to that side, bring somebody in motion to wash the defensive end down, push Mason to his right. I think that's where you can thrive a little bit. Notice on all these plays, guys, it's second and 12. Third and 14 on every single example so far. All right. Yep. All right. So this fourth clip, um, we are in the red zone, first and 10 at the SMU 14-yard line. little speed option there to Rajay Harris for a a nice gain of seven yards on first down. They respect Mason Garcia because they know he can run. So that's why the speed option will work really well. Correct. Yeah, that's a. It's that's not a like he's an immobile quarterback that you're trying to do the option with. 
Right. And, you know, a few things I like about this play. Number one, you're not just running up the middle. You're getting out to the perimeter. Right. And I really like this play. Like, if you have a healthy Javius Bond, you get his speed one-on-one, and now you're in business. But, you know, this is a nice wrinkle. We haven't seen this before. Love this. I want to incorporate more of this. But I also want to – there's so many plays you could run off of this. Like, you could have a two-back set where you – it's almost a triple option Mm -hmm. from the pistol. Right. Um, There's so much you can do if you establish this. And I thought Mason looked pretty comfortable running it, but – Again, if you can get Bond paired up with him in that situation, or or Pays makes a point half field, that's fine. Yeah. You need a well. Speed, what about Gun? A our gun, gun, yeah. You know, a, a speed guy, but Stevie love that wrinkle. What's up, Stevie Fly? Yeah, and on that um, specific play, you know, a lot of times when you run speed option, you know, as uh, as a quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator, what. You're telling that guy it's just another way to attack the perimeter. So, depending on who it is that's running it, um, especially when you when you have a quarterback who is not as mobile as Mason Garcia, uh, you, you know you tell him to to take take two or three steps and pitch it. Um, but um, in Mason's case, I'd like to see him you know hang on to that a little bit longer, uh, attack the guys you know, inside, and then and then force him to really make a decision because you saw there. The uh, the guy for SMU nearly had the opportunity to uh to make the tackle on Rajay. Fortunately, Rajay was able to outrun him. Yeah, you, and Mason's got to know when to pitch and when to keep it. Also, there are times that you know uh, where when you're running that speed option, you need to keep it. But um, David Garrard was excellent at this. Um, you know, obviously he was doing it from under center as opposed to from the shotgun. But same concept, you know, and just right there the. The linebacker was screaming to Rajay Harris, you know, a little flash of the football, a little fake, and then and tuck it, and you see Ma- Mason uh, could cut it up for a nice gain as well. So, hey, and- Bubba, can you run that back one more time? There's one more thing I wanted to show that's subtle. If you look, we bring a man in motion, and you watch the free safety comes across the field. So what that did was it created an, an alley there. Yeah. Um, if, oh, you, wow. if you run it back one more time, if you watch, we bring, I don't know, was that Jalen Johnson maybe in motion? Watch the free safety he runs it with. It was, him. let's see. Yes, so. Jalen Johnson on the jet sweep fake. Um, he was the number three in trips for our for our podcast listeners uh, who were not seeing the video. So, Pirates, ball on the right hash. Uh, three receivers split to the left and then faked the jet sweep to the into the boundary to Jalen Johnson and then ran, ran speed option to the field. Um, to the wide side of the field, that is, uh, with Mason Garcia and Rajay Harris. And then, then going to So uh, a lot more of that, guys. A lot more of that. Fourth and fourth and two at the SMU seven yard line. Ran quarterback power, and uh, where, where we pulled the pulled the guard, and then you you had a nice block there by Shane Calhoun, Mason, you know, running like a bull, getting into the end zone. Um, much needed touchdown, our only touchdown of the night, obviously. And, and then we need more um, of that. 
the the final play from Thursday night's game. Um, you know, Matt, I I'll let you talk about this one as well. But it was the pick six. You know, so here we are. You know, a bunch trip set into the boundary. He had Marlon Gunn at the bottom of the screen, and uh, you know we we were throwing the the shallow crosser um, to the lone receiver split out to the right. Now it was Chase Sowell. You know Chase, you know was sitting it down against zone coverage, um, but you know Alex you know, threw it as though he was going to continue his route um, the way he would have run it against man coverage. And I heard this is something that was obviously I, I immediately recognized this as a as a former quarterback, and I heard Steve Logan on 94.3 The Game discussing it on his show on Friday, just saying that it made him have terrible flashbacks to early in his career when that's the way he utilized the shallow crosser where it was on the receiver and quarterback to be on the same page. He said after he had that experience with the pick six like we did, uh, for that very reason, the quarterback seeing one thing, receiver seeing another, and he opted to, hey, whether you, no matter what the coverage is, you're just going to continue running that shallow crosser, and it's on the quarterback to recognize, hey, if he's continuing to to run um, and run into a zone where he's going to get lit up, it's your job to not throw him the football and to come off the shallow crosser and, and throw it elsewhere. So, yeah, so that, yeah. that, that way you can't can't uh, have that indecision and the nightmare that we had with the pick six. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, I think you said it perfectly, Bubba, can you run it one more time? I mean, and it, this is the type of thing where, you, you know, you have two guys that just haven't played together and Flynn, you know, like you said, he's expecting this, this route to continue. So well breaks it off. He should have. Yeah. He, mm. It's just, yeah, he should. Yeah. Go ahead, Dave. No, I was just saying when he, uh, I know we talked about that in the, you know, you're watching the game, and he just stopped. He stopped. He stopped his route right there. I just don't understand. And they knew the ball, and then well, that's that the reason it, he stopped the route. That's what we're saying that he he recognized zone coverage, and he was sitting it down. And he oh, did the right thing. Flynn made the wrong read. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Okay. Flynn threw it to. Yeah, I mean, he was expecting Chase to continue the shallow crosser rather than sitting yeah. it down. Yeah, you know, these are just type of things you see from a from a efficient offense that's experienced and uh, coached up. You just don't see those kind of things happen, and uh, and that was a killer. I mean, that and was to, to, to be was fair. Also, and this goes back to the coaching uh, when, when you're when you're when you're playing musical quarterbacks, you know, it's hard for anybody to get used to playing together with with a receiver and knowing, you know. Um, and it's like Logan said, a simple fix is, is uh, you know, l- leave it on the quarterback to figure out if it's zone or man, not the receiver. And yeah. and Matt, kind of shifting gears, and with, with this final clip we had, it's not from the East Carolina SMU game, but rather Colorado State, Boise State, and um, what a game that was. And we'll, maybe we'll discuss that briefly in a moment, but I know – this clip, I mean, it shows a way in which we can utilize Mason's strengths, and, and that is, you know, putting him on the move, moving the pocket. Yeah, no doubt. And I'd like to see just more of these plays where you have a man come in motion here, 
uh, once this starts up, and you're going to see a play action with a just kind of like a little half roll to the right where the quarterback's on the move. And you'll see it here. So here comes the play action. It's just a little half roll. And now this play, it it didn't work in this case. You know, it wasn't an effective play. It was not a completion. But that type of movement in the backfield where you're you're getting Mason out of the pocket, you're chipping down on the defensive end. Um, and then I, I like to – if you can bring a crossing route with that, um, I think you can have a lot of success running that play with Mason. Just subtle, just subtle things where you get him on the move. And, um, you know, Bubba, you, you, you're yeah. a quarterback. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? No doubt. Uh, big number 80, Shane Calhoun, uh, dragging or climbing there about, mm-hmm. about 10 to 12 yards across the formation. Yeah, no, you, 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 you gotta roll, you gotta roll, uh, you, you gotta roll, um, Garcia out. For some reason, I wanted to call him Flynn over and over again. You got to roll Garcia out, take advantage of his strength, his legs, shorten the field for him, one side of the field. It's what he's comfortable at. He's not a pocket quarterback. He's playing his nose on your face. He ain't a pocket quarterback. Quit trying to make him a pocket quarterback, you know. Right. I, um, and by the way, uh, being we showed a highlight from that Boise State-Colorado State game, um, if you have not seen the fourth quarter of that game, go on YouTube and watch the fourth quarter of Boise and Colorado State from yesterday. Colorado State has a 20-point comeback in a span of about six minutes. They were down 30-10 to 10 and ended up winning it 31-30. to 30. Wow. I'll have to check that out later, Kyle. I I didn't see it yet. Uh, sounds like an unbelievable ending, though. It was. It was fantastic. Hey, guys, do you want to talk some uh, as far as games uh, for over the college football landscape uh, last uh, last night and over the weekend? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah. I, I was in the mountains. Um, what I watched was limited. Um, Colorado and uh, Stanford uh, double overtime. Colorado blows twenty nine point lead. That was crazy. Um, uh, great finish. Um, you know, Shador Sanders uh, misses a, a wide open receiver, Travis Hunter, that would have put the game away, and he throws a pick in overtime and. Uh, Colorado loses. Um, I already we already talked about the comeback Colorado State had against. Evidently, all the all the important footballs played in Colorado this year. Colorado State with the comeback over Boise State, which was just unbelievable. If you hadn't, like I said, if you hadn't watched it, really got out of your way to watch the fourth quarter. Um, what else? What, what stuck out to you guys? What, what, Tulane, uh, Tulane and Memphis was a good one for the majority of the game in the American. Tulane beating Memphis, showing they're still the kings of the American. Lincoln like Riley's team still can't play defense. That sticks out. Yeah, I was getting ready to say uh, Matt's team, and I don't say that like his team, like, but the team to watch for. You were talking about Notre Dame, and I'll tell you one thing: the uh, the Fighting Irish. I was expecting Notre Dame to win that game, but not the way. I don't know about you guys. I didn't expect it to be like that. Um, but yeah, you know, with USC only scoring twenty points. That was it, forty-eight it, to twenty. Something like yeah. that. I was watching yeah, that game, and I was just like, I couldn't believe that. That was a shocker to me. I thought it would be like a high-scoring game, a Wild Wild West, the shootout, but uh, only twenty points given. For that was crazy. And in reverse, Louisville upset Notre Dame the week before, and then took on a bad Pittsburgh team, and Pittsburgh stomped them. So Louisville could not handle the success of being six and zero. 
How about this? Kenneth uh, was talking about Virginia Tech dominating Wake and Duke shutting down NC State. Both yeah, Wake's those... not good. Wake's another team that doesn't work the portal. Yep. Duke beating uh, NC State uh, 24-3 to uh, was very impressive. That defense is, uh, wow. Um, I don't know if Duke has ever had a defense like that before. I, I have to give my props to, I heard a lot of good things with Mike Elko. Speaking of uh, Wake Forest, he comes mm-hmm. to Duke, and uh, he is really, Matt Semenza loves the Big Ten. I'm telling you guys, you have Michigan State and Northwestern open right now. Um, and maybe some more I, schools. I, love it. I, I don't. Well, it's Northwestern an upgrade from Duke, though. I mean, I mean, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it makes sense. Facility-wise, I mean, money-wise, um, I know it's like that. Both are academics, but he can win. It, does, does, it depends. I mean, Duke's got the money if they want to. If they want to pay him, they can match what Northwestern's going to pay him. Oh, they definitely can. There's no question about that. And that you're in the How about Pat Fitzgerald. You're talking about as far as from a facility standpoint, which way? I was talking about with Northwest. I mean, they're don't aren't they getting about seventy five million a year? I mean, I, I don't I'm know. Saying, I, I'm saying Duke's Duke's football facilities are definitely better than Northwestern's. Well, they, yeah, yeah, that's true. That you think so, Bubba? You think? Yeah, you think I, so? I, I don't think it's. I don't think it may not even be close. Duke has really? worked a lot. Wallace Wade Stadium is definitely a lot nicer with the renovations they've done than uh than Ryan Field and Abbott. Yeah. Well, and, well I'll tell you that in the yeah. nice football ops building and indoor facility they built at Duke. I'm not sure about Northwestern's indoor facility. Well, stuff like that irritates me. And Northwestern's a high academic university and, and respect what they do academically. But when football is making you that much money and then you don't invest in what's making you the money, um, it, it really pisses me off. Um, Vanderbilt is the is Vanderbilt has so much money. There's no reason in the world why Vanderbilt can't win at a high it's level. Not gonna, it's not going to. It's not going to stop you from still being. One of the greatest medical schools in the world at Vandy, one of the best cancer yep. research institutions in the world, because you put a little money into football. So, in essence, what I was they need saying, to kick them out. If the SEC were smart, they'd kick them out. Threaten to kick them out, and they'll start spending money. I'll if tell not, you who no should consider um, Elko. You know, if they, whenever they do need to hire a new coach, um, and that's uh, Texas A and M, where he oh, came. Oh yeah, from. he was just there. Yeah. Oh. You know yes, what? Now, uh, now Jimbo <laughs> Fisher, you know, he may may or may not. We'll see whether they decide mm-hmm. to pay pay out that uh, contract. I'm not sure. You know, obviously, it's a 95 million dollar contract. I'm not sure what they would owe him if it's they year six, choose, right? Choose six, part ways with him. Seven? But um, you only have three more. I think it's only but, three more years or four more years on it, right? But if I'm um, but if I'm Texas A&M, I'm I'm strongly considering. That's a great idea, fellow. Yeah, Elko to A&M makes a lot of sense, and I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Speaking of that, uh, and this is something we need to research. I don't think anybody's going to know this off the top of their head. Um, we know Mike Houston's base salary is much higher than coaches in the past because uh, I'm assuming Gilbert did that because he thought he was going to get balled out. Yep, you're right. Versus somebody having to – versus us having to buy him out. Do, do, do any of you know, always in the past – we had an offset clause in the con in the contract. Do any of you guys know, or any of our listeners know, if the offset contract, if we have an offset clause in Houston's contract? I don't. 
not I'm not sure. Now, when you say offset clause, Kyle, this is just explain to me what you're referring to here. For uh, when, when, okay, like um, Ruffin McNeil, for example, when he was fired, when he got hired at Virginia, um, oh, he was oh, yeah. making five hundred thousand a year. That offset the money we owed him. So if we fire Mike right. Houston and we owe him four million dollars, and he goes and gets the head coaching job at an FCS school and makes eight hundred thousand a year, that money would offset. It would take away from what we owe him. Gotcha. Okay. So okay. Jimbo Fisher is in year six, like I thought. Year six out of ten. So he would have still you had four years left on that ninety-five million dollar contract, whatever that is. It was like what nine and a half million a year. Yeah. So four years left, they can afford thirty-five million or something like that. And, and they may have an offset clause in his contract also. But I'm more concerned about our contract. Yeah. It, it was originally seventy-five million, then they upped it to ninety-five million. Yeah, they can afford to buy it out. Unbelievable. The money, the money disparity when you when you really start yeah. to look at it is is it's hard to overcome. Um but really quick guys on the Big Ten, this this week we have one of the best games of the year coming up. It's Penn State versus Ohio State. Oh man. And yeah. uh, I think I think this is the year that Penn State gets it done. That team is loaded. I'm They're very you. good. I'm all yeah. over Penn State, guys. Watch out for them. Hey, you got another great uh, speaking of ACC. Here's another great one. Uh, Duke is going to Tallahassee, um, FSU and Duke. That's going to be that's going to be a much better. I think FSU still wins it, but that's going to be a, a better game than what yeah. some people think. Yeah. Right, so I very quickly found out what Jimbo's owed. Uh, so if if he's fired in or after 2023, 76.8 million. <laughs> oh well, they're going to keep him then. Okay. Good lord. If he's fired after 20, 2024, 67.5, oh, well. uh, 55. No, Elko. Elko is not going to. Uh, don't be so sure about if, that. If he lasts all the way through 2027, uh, even in 2027, if they chose to fire him, it would be 39.2. Oh, my God. Uh, why who, you would do that to Jimbo your program? Fisher, who is Jimbo Fisher's agent? I want his agent. Uh, I would fire my. I'll tell you what I would do if I was Texas a and I'd fire my AD tomorrow. Oh my I, God! I didn't I, know that. Well, wow. that's what I would do. Bubba, you found that out fast. Did you find out if we have if, if there's an offset in Houston's contracts? I have not. Oh uh, well, we need to find that out because that's very important if we look to Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. man! Please man. let's let's not even please let's not go there. I won't be able to sleep tonight. Um, and Matt, Matt, are you coming down to see your Charlotte 49ers? No chance. No chance. Okay. A- oh man, the poor 49ers. They're gonna they need their Semenza money. They they need it. Speaking of which, by the way, guys, I had a question for you. Somebody guys. Uh, wait, 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 hold on. Like something to do with Charlotte that just made, made me laugh. Um they, going back to his his press conference where he was blaming himself, putting everything on himself after the game. And one of our fans on Pirate Radio commented and said, um they commented and said, Why isn't he blaming the fans? I said, Because they ain't got no fans. <laughs> oh my god that's right but how is it that they can hey, get they, they put 15,000 in that stadium uh, yesterday i'll have you know they did they, did they put 15,000 in there yeah and it, it, it had been it had been sold out for a couple months how many of them how many of them were uh u.s military that's a good question but uh <laughs> the game the game was sold out back in august so and, th- and they were proud of it well, congratulations uh, to them. How do they? How does the General Assembly? Feet. Yeah, how does the General Assembly give twenty five million dollars, and we can't? Boy, and boy, we, I'd like to know. 
And we, uh, why can't we get twenty five well, million? Well, don't bury the lead. Everybody might not watch and listen. Might not know what you're talking about. General Assembly uh, has a lot of twenty five million dollars. Twenty five, whatever it is, it's, it's twenty five. I researched many, it last many million. It's twenty five because it's there was another couple that gave twenty five million. Their original gift level that was going to match whatever their gift level was. It was eighteen, and as soon as General Assembly approved it, somebody donated seven thousand more dollars. It's twenty five million, and I don't know how that's allowed because. To my knowledge, they weren't. You're not allowed to do that unless it's something that improves academics, and I don't see how a football stadium does that. All right. And uh, by the way, if fired without call, Houston, Houston will be owed the remainder of his base salary, the 1.4 million per year figure. Yeah. Firing him after the 20 season, 23 4. season, 4.4 million. But is there an offset clause? Pays. I know the numbers, but is there an offset clause? And what I'm saying is, if he gets a head coaching job at an FCS school. And makes a hundred thousand a year. Montgomery had, had that. We, when we he had that Maryland. in there for Ruffin. We had it in there for Scotty. We also had it in there for Scotty. So I pray to God Gilbert also uh, continued that tradition at East Carolina and put the offset clause in there. I'm not sure. If he didn't, if he didn't, um, somebody needs to have a very strongly worded conversation with John Gilbert. I mean, four point uh, four point two four point four million is a lot of cash. It's peanuts compared to what uh, Texas A&M has to pay. I I understand that, but still we've kept, we so. But it ain't four point four million if there's an offset clause. That's why we need to know if there's because Mike Houston will get an FCS head coaching job immediately if that were to happen. I guarantee it. So that's why we really, if we lose to Charlotte, we really need to start researching this. Um, hopefully, we're not having to worry about it. Hopefully, this time I next agree. week we're we're we're, uh, we're sitting here going, we played well, boys. We beat Charlotte. Now let's see if we can keep it going. And there won't be a tear in our beer anymore. I'm tired of the tears in, the, in our beers. Uh, you want to sing? The, I'll do the Hank Jr. part. You do the Hank Sr. part. You ready? I can't do it. <laughs> I love those two guys too much. I don't want to butcher it, but I love that song uh, very much. Everything is better when you win. And that game is at 2 o'clock on Dowdy Ficklin, at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium Bagway Field. And that's uh, another national audience that we need to get people there. It's homecoming. By the way, that's another reason, guys, that uh, will be depressing is Charlotte is so bad. And if we lose to them at homecoming, it's not like we're playing Tulane at homecoming. Okay. Um, so we, oh my goodness, that, that is going to be tough. I don't want to even. No, we just need a win. We, we need a yeah. win. Look, look, I, I embrace the Charlotte game at this point. They're in the conference. We need a win. They need a win. I embrace, it's a rivalry game. I say we fully embrace it. We have fun with it. We look at it as a rivalry game. We go in there and, and have fun with it. Look, it, it, it's, it, it, this week is a week the Pirate fans need to get off the, get out of the pity, get, get out of the, the, the pity party, pay, whatever the hell you want to say. The, we, we need to have an attitude that we bet, not know, oh, God, I doubt we can cover the spread or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Our attitude needs to be we better beat Kick ass. Charlotte. That needs to be the message to Mike Houston, to that football team, to Jonathan Gilbert Esquire. The message needs to be, you better beat Charlotte. So, in other words, your ass is on the line. That's what you're saying. Kyle, I got to take uh, issue I'm, with something you just said, Kyle. What's that? That's Jonathan Gilbert Esquire. Kyle Barber from, from the Grange. Did you just call Charlotte a rivalry game? Look at uh, this year, this year. Look, this year. Those sir, words, 
This year, yes, Did sir. Those yes, sir. Words this year, come out of your you better, mouth. You better embrace it this LaGrange year. <laughs> that's the kind of shape we're in, Matt. That's the kind of shape we're in. I that's love it, of, Matt. I love it. That's love the kind it. of shape we're in, Matt. That's what. Hey, Matt. That's what brings ratings, baby. Keep bringing it. Come on. That's, that's what. That's that's the kind of shape we're in. That's the kind of shape we're. In. That's where we are as a football program. Hey, you hey, better Matt. embrace it. You better. Let, let me tell you something. If you don't, let me tell you, Charlotte. Charlotte's going to come in here looking at it as a rivalry game. So if we don't embrace it, Charlotte's going to be fired up. You bet your ass. They got shut out by Navy. They're playing East Carolina. They're going to be fired up. So if we don't have the same intensity, the same attitude, and look at this as a must win and approach it as a rivalry game, we are going to get beat. So hey. you better, you, you, we ain't good enough to look down our nose at them. So hey, you Matt. better embrace it this year. Hey, Matt, you know how bad things are going with this football season? I'm just telling how it is. No, no, it's not that. Kyle and I are getting along way too well this this football season. We have nothing to argue about this year. We we don't have anything <laughs> to argue about. So um, bad is bad. And uh, but you know something, you can. Uh, but do you get what I'm saying though? I, I, they're going to come yeah, in here looking. Yeah, no, I hear you. I'm just breaking balls. I mean, listen, I and we're at the point right now where we are. Go for broke. We can't. We cannot look down on anybody. Uh, no. You know, but everybody uh, thinks that winning football games are very easy, and then you uh, you have a situation like now where oh, Charlotte's defense is good. Their, their offense is, is is like it's horrible. Our offense is probably maybe a hair better than theirs, but their their defense is good. Look, they got shut out yesterday, but they held Navy to fourteen. So it, it, we that we ain't gonna cut if we that's what I'm saying. If we beat them something like twenty four to seven, I, I'll feel really good about things. I'm really honestly expecting a. 17-10, 13-10, 10-7 type ball game, to be quite honest with you. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Uh you guys uh so do you guys predict a win this week? Are you still on the ledge? Uh, I'm gonna predict think? a win, yeah. I'm gonna predict a win. Uh, it doesn't you know, people always, you know, Matt and Kyle, people always say ugly win. This year's a perfect example. There's no such thing as an ugly win. A win is a win as a no, win. Yeah, the, you know, the, I think we have to win. I think our backs are against the wall. We're at home. Um we better have more pressure on us than we do on than they do on them. There be there there better be more hey. pressure on Mike Houston and this football team than there is on on uh, on uh, Biff Posey and uh, Pogey and um, the Charlotte 49ers. So, yeah, hey. to me, yeah, I'm predicting a win because we better win. What do you think, uh, Matt? I think it's going to be one of the ugliest games in the history of of college football. <laughs> Somebody's got to win. Is that what you're and saying? Some, yeah, it's just like somebody has to win. We better win. <laughs> Put it this way: If it was a pick'em, if if it was a pick'em line, pick'em spread, whatever, uh, I would put my money on East Carolina. Okay. You know, at, the way it is, though, at the, what is the spread currently? Oh, I think it, nine. Nine. it went up and up at nine and a half. Now it's seven and a half. Yeah, I, 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 for me, I, I, I wouldn't go near it at that line. I just have no feel for. For this game, and, and you know Charlotte does play good defense. I mean, they they had yeah. Florida had only scored, I think, in the fourth quarter of that game. They had only scored seventeen points, and that was a, you know, this team can play some defense. So they, I mean, they shut Navy out. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, they did not shut Navy out. It was fourteen nothing. They held Navy to fourteen points. So um, it's getting late. I'm getting a little tired here, but uh, that's a pretty impressive feat. Anytime you hold Navy to 14 points. Um, yeah, they got a go. good defense. They got a good defense. Yeah. I, I, I'm expecting, like I said, a 17-10, 13-10. Uh, 
uh, tight ball game. And hopefully, uh, I, I predict we. I, I predict that we're going to win because we have to. We have to win this football. Well, game. you know what I. You know what I say to that. Nobody backs Donnie in a corner. That's what I'm just saying. Nobody backs Donnie in a corner. Donnie K. And uh, I think he's been taking the sword for way too long. And I tell you one thing. I. Uh, if you guys, let me ask you guys this question. I, I, I failed the last few weeks to ask you guys. I was thinking about this um, like three or four games ago. If you're Donnie K and you obviously know how to coach offense a lot better than it's showing right now, believe it or not, um, do you guys rebel against uh, MK and just say the hell with it? We're getting our asses kicked uh, week after week. I'm just going to do whatever the hell I want. MK. MH, I meant to say, Mike Houston. Who the hell is MK? Um, I, uh, I, I, I don't know who's telling him not to roll the quarterback out. I get what you, you're saying that we need to be more aggressive on offense, but I, I can't imagine that Mike Houston's going. You better not roll uh, uh, Garcia out. So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that it's that, that it's all Donnie being held back. What do you think, Matt? To be honest, I, I just don't know what's going on there anymore. And, um, you know, all, all I can say is that if I was running that offense, he, we would not be sitting in the pocket. Um, you know, occasionally, of course, but, but you know, I, I'm, I'm moving the pocket. It's, it's uh, play action. It's boot action. It's getting on the perimeter. Anything to avoid running up the middle and standing in the pocket. Wildcat, like we were talking about. Uh, and, you know, when you were talking about the deep ball, that's what's so frustrating to me is that the whole idea is to set up is when you're running the football and you set the team up where they're like you were talking about, Matt, they're loading the box at eight because they know we're running the football. And that's when you throw that deep shot. If nothing else, it keeps the defense honest. I mean, that's football one on one. And that's yeah. what's frustrating is that um, because I believe that both Flynn and Garcia can throw a deep ball. I really do. I mean, of course they can throw a deep ball. They wouldn't be playing Division One football if they couldn't throw a deep ball. Uh, so the, that's the what I don't understand. Got a, the, the offensive line's got to hold up for them. But like we've talked it to her blue in the face, you roll the quarterback out. Not only does it take advantage of base and strengths, it also helps the offensive line, which we really hadn't even talked about. Um, so anyway, but look, I, 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 for my portion of the show, I'm done. I got something yep. I have to go do. Um, so I, I'm going to leave y'all with this and you guys can close it out. Uh, we better beat Charlotte. Good night and go pirates. All right. Thank you, Kyle from the Grange Bar hall of famer from the fifth quarter call in show and pirate radio. Matt always does a great job with that as well. Matt, do you have anything before we go? We'll close things out. No, you know what? I think we, uh, we said it all. Um, yeah. just wanted to thank everybody for tuning in. A lot of good comments and questions. Thanks to, uh, JR for providing some of those stats. You know, JR just put up another the one best. there. Charlotte oh, has 24 first downs. Uh, yeah. 24 first downs. SMU's 20 when they played the Mustangs last week in Dallas. So another interesting stat. It's uh look, every week is gonna be we're gonna have our hands full right now. So um just hoping we can get a win. And I think uh yeah. I think that's all I had this week, Dave. Yeah, you know, the coaching speak, and we'll get out of here. The coaching speak always is one game at a time. Next up is Charlotte, so we, we don't need to ever look ahead, uh, no doubt about that. All right, uh, I want to remind everybody, the Pirate Football Playback is presented by LNK Custom Homes. Thank you, Kevin Walker. Appreciate you so much, man. He's a licensed general contractor, and one of these days, I'm going to get him to fix up my home. Call him now at 336-688-8400.
61, a great pirate like Matt Semenza. Put on that purple and gold. And we're going to have our pirate preview, of course, Tuesday night as we look at the 49ers. Absolute empowerment will come tomorrow night, being Monday night. If you're watching this live or if it's early Monday morning, don't forget about Coach C, Jeff Connors, with his great show. Love it every week, every Monday night. All right, for Matt, Bubba, Kyle, I am Dave. Thanks for all the callers and, uh, excuse me, all the people commenting on Facebook and YouTube. Good night, everybody. And as always, want to mention to you, go Pirates. Every yard, every first down, every touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going.